We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The folks who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make this show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to ListenerQ, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q.com forward slash pull up and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered in a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash pull up. That's ListenerQ.com slash pull up. KD tells a fan to shut the bleep up. How much noise can you actually filter out, CJ? You can boo. You can say things like that. But when you're attacking someone's family, attacking someone's race, that's when you're really out of line and things are going to happen. CJ gets his fifth dunk of the year. CJ, walk us through this play. So I timed it up, right, left, grabbed the rebound, put it back in the hard layup, AKA fingertip jam. I would have hung on the rim, but my hand's been bothering me. Just give me a sense of where the Blazers are at right now. You mentioned a little bit of a losing skid. I think it was a combination of things. Going on road trips is always tough. I think there's a lot of things we can do and control better, but I credit the teams we played. Welcome to the Charles Oakley episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 34. Uh, back in Portland, Oregon after a long, long road trip. Uh, just dropped a game to the Clippers the other night. Uh, we were up by 13 as much as 15 in the second half. Nurk goes down with an injury. And uh, we ended up uh, giving up 35 points in the third quarter, 15 in the bias hair. So looking forward to our next game against the Orlando Magic to kind of bounce back. We've lost three of five, five of seven. During this homestand, we get to recover from a nice Thanksgiving break in which Jordan had some great food. I'm sure he was accompanied by family, able to watch some football and kind of enjoy things. Whereas I was on the road in the Bay, enjoying some time with wifey, uh, eating, you know, having some wine, and watching football as well. Jordan, how was your Thanksgiving? It was great, CJ. Very, very special Thanksgiving. Too much good food. And I, you know what, we, we had the Schultz family football game, which is an annual affair. And once again, I came to play. And the reason I bring this up is because as I was playing, or at least afterward, I was thinking we were talking about the NFL, and I was somehow the Browns came up, as they do. And I was thinking, you know, I bet CJ could have been a pretty good safety or receiver. But I don't think he could cover me because I have a way of getting open in the red zone. So I caught several touchdown passes. I had four interceptions, had a pick six, and <laughs> I just don't think the ability of Mr. McCollum, uh, I don't think your press coverage would, would do much on me. Who plays in this family function, and how, how, like, how does this work? Is it seven on seven? Is it five on five? Is it two on two? See, that's where I did not want you to go. I didn't want you to go there because it, it's basically seven on seven, and uh, the competition is rather light. Who was guarding you? <laughs> I, I had I had a, a myriad of different defenders. Uh, my dad with a torn Achilles guarded me a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, if you hadn't asked me that, I could have just. I definitely, I definitely could lock you up for sure. I could one hundred percent lock you up. I'm sure of it. Did you? You didn't play high school football, right? I didn't. I uh, I played up until freshman year. I played quarterback, strong safety, and receiver, but. Um, I could have pursued it, but I didn't want to go across the middle. They wanted me to play receiver. Yeah. 
I didn't really want, like, the, like the idea of going across the middle. I was focusing on basketball, and I basically told him I would play quarterback or nothing. And we had a quarterback who was going to Kentucky, and Mike Hartline, he was about 6'6". Yeah. I was about 5'11 at the time, so it wasn't really going to work out in my favor. Were you a pretty good player? I feel like you could have been a, either a good, strong safety or like a good flanker. Uh, yeah, I was a pretty good player. I, I was really good at quarterback uh, growing up. And as I got taller and faster, uh, receiver became an easy position for me. Uh, as a DB, I was more of a you know form tackler, but I preferred to get interceptions. You were a ball hawk. Ball hawking safety. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was. So you're basically like the Canton, Ohio version of Ed Reed. Yeah, I was a Canton, Ohio version of Ed Reed or an Ohio version of Mike Doss. You know, however you want to slice it. I was I was pretty good. I like to think I was pretty good. And people will back me from my childhood. They would back me saying that. CJ was nice. All right. We got to get we got to get Eric back on because not only is he having a monster year as as you've been posting on social, it's been great to follow him. I'd love to get the real honest feedback from uh, the older McCollum to find out what kind of player you were uh, on the gridiron. Yeah, we'll definitely bring him back on here, and he'll tell you. He'll, he'll always keep it real, be 100% honest and genuine in his responses and tell you that I wasn't one who loved contact. That's, that's, for, <laughs> that's for certain. I didn't, lo- I didn't love the cold. I hated it, and I played with my hand warmer at all times. Um, especially the hand warmer, okay. When it was raining. There it is. I thought you were an Ohio kid, man. I am an Ohio kid, but as you can see, I, I, I phase towards indoor sports. Yeah, well, I don't blame you for that. I mean, nothing wrong with that. Um, how was Thanksgiving food? It was great. Yeah, Thanksgiving was awesome. We got some some great time with wifey. You know, we got some time to ourselves to kind of enjoy each other. Be be proactive and kind of discussing the future and things that we need to, to go over for our summer. And uh, it's always nice to just be able to kind of enjoy alone time, relaxing, watching TV, watching Netflix, you know, walking around, just having conversations outside of sports because a lot of times our lives are dominated by sports. So you got to be able to disconnect and maybe just watch some football or, or watch uh, a show. We settled on The Godfather Part Two, which is always a classic and, and something that lasts a lot of hours and can be mixed in with naps. <laughs> Wait a second. You watched The Godfather Part Two. You didn't watch any, like, great new Netflix series? No, we normally do watch Netflix every night, but uh, in this case... I seen The Godfather Part Two was on, and it was a no-brainer for me because I had been watching The Godfather uh, on previous road trips. You know, kind of just oh, okay. refreshing my refreshing my memory on the mafia and some of the things that happened, you know, during the Godfather era. And it was just an, an awesome time. I always I always thought that as great as the first one was, the second one was better. The second one is dope because you kind of see the predecessor. You know, the young the young man becoming like a boss. And having to make important decisions that his grandfather actually made. Does it remind you, CJ, never go against the family? I mean, loyalty over royalty, man. <laughs> it's important that you're loyal in there this business and in life. And just seeing how he approached everything with his, from a family standpoint and, and how he executed everything. It was just great to see him following his, his, his grandpa's footsteps and looking forward to watching The Godfather Part 3. Yeah, The Godfather 3, uh, it's okay. It has its moments, but the first two are masterpieces. Uh, Food-wise, what was the what was the best for you? I I'm just gonna completely go on the record here and say that I was com- totally out of control with a pecan pie. Uh, I had way too much. 
I, I feel awful. I felt awful. I, I'm in kind of a whirlwind from all the sugar. So hopefully, uh, well, I, I, you're more disciplined than me. So I'm sure you, you, I'm sure you had some sweets, but nothing too bad. Yeah, nothing too crazy. I didn't even actually have dessert for dinner. I had dessert during our lunch. We ended up going to Americano for lunch, did a, a little wine tasting with the meal. It was paired with uh, three different types of wine. And that's when I had some some turkey stuffing or dressing, whatever you want to call it, along with uh, some other Thanksgiving items in between um, after I had a crab salad. And for dinner, we went to House of Prime Rib, one of the spots I love to go to when I'm in the Bay. Very, very good, authentic prime rib. They make it in front of you. Their salad is to die for. And there's also no dairy in the salad, which is which is great for me. And has some great wine with that. Didn't go for the traditional Thanksgiving for dinner because I really wanted the prime rib. But we were able to get some dressing on the side. My cheat meal was uh, cream spinach and cream sweet potatoes. Or cream spinach, cream corn, and sweet potatoes. Along with a baked potato. So even though you had the, the cheat meal, you still found a way to get the vegetables in. So that's a win-win. Exactly, exactly. I'm just supposed to stay away from dairy, so the creamy substances aren't aren't the best for my joints in recovery. But uh, with, with it being a holiday, sometimes you have to make exceptions and enjoy life. And I did just that. And I had some sorbet and apple pie. <laughs> that sounds that sounds divine, CJ. Do, do, you, uh, do you enjoy the... The opportunity to celebrate Thanksgiving on the road, is that is that challenging? Are you used to it now? Uh, I'm used to it now. I've been celebrating Thanksgiving on the road for a long time. Uh, being in college away from home, you don't normally get to get back for those type of uh, celebrations and holidays. You're normally on the road or playing in a classic or having practice or you know, kind of preparing for the next phase of your life. And to be able to celebrate, you know, with with loved ones or with people that are close to you, dear to you, it does mean a lot. And I think it's more so just the, the celebration of family more than anything. Being able to be around family uh, for the holidays is what makes what makes the uh, holidays special. I imagine that uh, for you, family too extends to football, as we just said earlier. And obviously the Browns are another topic of discussion, <laughs> another big win, except this one felt a little different, a little uh, poetic justice perhaps against Former Browns head coach Hugh Jackson, Baker Mayfield goes off four touchdowns. He was great, and uh, the Browns really showed out against the Bengals. So um, what was your uh, feeling of this? Did, did you feel badly at all for Hugh? Because I, I, I personally felt like Baker was had it out for him, and he was coming he was coming at him. No, I didn't feel bad for him at all. I think this is a, this is a, a way of life. You know, This is how people feed their families. He had to do what he had to do. In terms of joining another football organization to try to continue and further his career as a coach. And Baker is supposed to dominate. He's supposed to try to throw touchdown passes. He's supposed to try to be as accurate as possible and make the defense pay every possession. I think he did that. Uh, He's played extremely well these last few games. And I think it meant a lot more to him because Hugh didn't name him the starter right away. He wanted to go with Taylor as the starter, and I think that kind of stuck with him along with the offense. Obviously, he wasn't in charge of the offensive play calling, but uh, not being able to run that spread offense, I'm sure, also played a factor in why Baker wasn't exactly happy uh, with the situation with Hugh Jackson. But I- I'm happy to see the Browns playing well. Chubbs was great. Uh, Joku was great. Our defense stepped up big time, gave me about seven fantasy points, and uh I couldn't be more pleased with what I'm seeing from my Browns over these past three games. It's very, very encouraging. We have a bright future ahead of us. Well, it's the first time since I can remember that that there's real momentum there, um, and that also 
you have these this great young talent, and we keep going back to it, but we talked about Njoku. Callaway gets involved. Chubb has two touchdowns. I'm sure that was nice for him considering he wasn't starting at the beginning of the year. So I'm excited for you. I, I think it's the best team they've had, obviously, in, in a long time. But also, more importantly, there's there's so much young talent there on both sides of the ball that, I mean, they're 4-6-1. They're, they're, they're tactically not even out of the playoff hunt. So I'm fired up for you. I'm excited, man. I think one of the best things about this is that we found our quarterback for the future. I know it's yeah. premature and it's early, but on the season, he's got about a 63% completion rate, 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions in the last three games. He's 65 for 88, 771 yards, nine touchdowns, one interception, and that includes two wins, one of which was over Atlanta, the other which was over the Cincinnati Bengals. Hey, man, you're you're speaking my language because you know that that I've been a Baker guy for a while, so I'm I'm really happy. It's not that you needed convincing. I just think you needed to see him do it for a few games. And now, now that he's done it, seems like you're all in on uh, young young Baker. I am. I, I I've been big on him since I seen some of the throws he's making in preseason. But I just felt like he needed time. He needed time to kind of develop. We needed time to make sure our offensive line was in position to protect him. And uh, now. I see that we have protection, we have an established running game, and I'm looking forward to many more years with Baker behind the realm. Oh, you're already getting ahead. Okay. So basically they're going to win two Super Bowls in the next eight years. Uh, That is (laughs) very, very aggressive. (laughs) But anything is possible. Anything is possible. Exactly. Anything is possible. And... I didn't see you in the garden when we played in the garden, but I know you were there in spirit. Well, you know what? I'm sure Th- of this, it. This one hurt me because uh, the timing was was bad in the sense that I had to head out to the island for family, but um, I wanted to give you some space and let you enjoy the city. And it, it seems like I made the right call because you had, well, you had a great game. You had 31, five triples. You had your, was that your fifth dunk of the year? Yeah, fifth dunk of the year. Which we'll go over That's momentarily right. and, and play breakdown, a new segment on pull-up. But is, is it different? to? I mean, I've heard so many players say this. Is it different to play in the garden or is it, do you feel like it's more like a like a stage, like an, like an amphitheater? Can you just describe why it's so special to play there? Obviously the history, but what is it about the arena that makes it so fun? I think it's a combination of the history, the vibes there, understanding um, some of the great players and the great performances we've seen in the garden and just how it's the excitement, the excitement that comes with it. It gets loud. Fans are always engaged and involved regardless of how well the team is playing um, in that in that particular season. It's a star-studded event where, you know, actors, actresses, Spike Lee, everybody's courtside and it's just a, a nice moment. You know, as a kid, you always dream about, you know, being in those type of situations. A lot of movies you see on TV uh, feature the garden. And just the overall understanding of the history of New York in general just makes it special. I think that a lot of players can relate to it. It's just a unique feeling. And obviously, there's nothing like playing at home, but it, it is always dope to to experience that type of environment, knowing that you're only going to play there once a year. Do you see or talk to some of the celebrities? Because obviously, there's so many there. It can be, an act, like you said, actors or football players, what have you. Do, you. do you ever like communicate with them or reach out and say what's up during the game or, or at least before the game? Absolutely. Spike Lee was there. I said what's up to Spike Lee. Had a small conversation with him, of course, which is always dope because I'm a huge Spike Lee fan and just understand uh, uh, the history of him and his production and him being at games and being in Jordan's commercials and, and Todd and Reggie Miller and just so on and so forth. It just 
it's crazy to see how life comes full circle. Um, at the Warrior game, Steve Stout was there, so I had to say what's up to Steve. He was sitting courtside. So you, you always say what's up to people, especially if you know them or you're fan of, fans of them. It's mutual respect always. And um, we're fans of their craft and they're fans of our craft. And a lot of times they wish they could hoop like we can, as Common said on the last pod, and we wish we could perform like they do. This was not on our rundown, but I'm just curious. Favorite, uh, CJ, favorite Spike Lee movie would be, or do you have one? I'm going to go Malcolm X or He Got Game. He did a really good piece with Michael Jackson. This was this is it. I'm actually pulling it up right now just because I'm curious. Oh, yeah. Uh, She's Got to Have It. Was, was That's way back in the 80s. That was pretty good. But but I, I think do, do the Right Thing might be my top one. You, you said He Got Game or what? Malcolm X. Yeah, that was really strong too. Dude, he, this guy has been around. He's been making movies literally for like 35, 40 years. It's crazy. He really has. Um, he did a he did a Netflix show on Rodney King last year too. That was uh, pretty good. Okay, we have more pull up in a second. But first, I want to talk about LinkedIn. The right hire can make a huge impact on your business. For instance, I've got Ashley on my team, who has been an incredibly important person within my day to day life. Or on an NBA level, the Blazers make hires every year to make us better via the draft, trades, and free agency. So it's important to find the right person. But where do you find that individual? You can post a job on a job board and hope the right person will find your job. But think about it. How often do you hang out on job boards? Don't leave finding someone great to chance when you can post your job to a place where people go every day to make connections, grow in their career, and discover job opportunities. LinkedIn. Most LinkedIn members haven't recently visited the job or the top job boards, but nine out of 10 members are open to new opportunities. And with 70% of U.S. workforce on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people, people who are qualified for your role and ready for something new. It's the best way to find the person who will help you grow your business. And it's why a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. Hurry to LinkedIn.com slash pull up and get $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash pull up to get $50 off your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash pull up. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay, back to the show. Mr. McCollum, if this is a little bit of a fun question. Baker Mayfield obviously has no love for Hugh. How would this play out on an NBA team if a coach was let go and instantly move on to a rival and then they played? Uh, I think it just depends on how the player, how said player was treated underneath that coach. Uh, obviously, there's going to be mixed feelings if uh, the coach isn't playing you, then a new coach starts playing you and you become a starter. You're going to feel a certain type of way based on the relationship that was, in, that was in place. But if one of our current coaches left and had a better opportunity elsewhere or was fired and had to go somewhere else, I would respect and understand that it's a business. They got to do what's best for themselves. We got to do what's best for ourselves. And we all have families and people who we are responsible for or take care of. And uh, your job as a man is to protect your household and, and make sure that you have a roof over, over top of it for those who are underneath it and right uh, for me it would be it would be easy now if I was mistreated by a coach or felt like I was slighted or uh, not used properly that would be completely different in how I respond to that person but I'm not in that situation but I can imagine why Baker was upset he wasn't starting he was there then he was gone then he signs it with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals who they who they play and is a rival who's in the state same state and it's probably being used to kind of share some of that intel on on the organization, the play calling, et cetera. I'm sure that played a factor. It's, it's almost ironic that they scored 28 or more one time all year, 
And then they had 28 at the half against Hugh. I mean, it must have felt great for Baker. And then did you see the Demorius Randall interception? Then he hands the ball to Hugh? Yeah, he intercepted it and handed it to him. I thought that was very, very aggressive, and I loved it. <laughs> I loved, I loved it, it, too. I was wondering if you liked it or not. I, I loved it. I was... I will say this. I've been pretty critical of Hugh. People got on him on Twitter for accepting the ball. I didn't have a problem with that. He even he kind of dapped him up or gave him a helmet dap. I didn't have a problem with that at all because he had spent a ton of time with these guys, obviously, as their coach. And, you know, it's it's hard in the moment to just say, oh, he, sh- he shouldn't have put his hands out for the football. Did you have a problem with that? No, I didn't have a problem with it. I think it was the, the mature thing to do in this situation. What was he supposed to knock the football right. out of his hand or, or kind of make a scene? You know, as a as a coach, you know, you have a, you're held to a certain standard and you have to have a certain amount of poise. And uh, I think he showed a lot of maturity in that situation because I'm sure a lot of people would have liked to handle it differently. Yeah, and Demorius Randall obviously was another guy that, wasn't exactly uh, sad to see Hugh go. Um, all right, hoops-wise, w- there's a lot going on. Just give me a sense of where the Blazers are at right now. You mentioned uh, a little bit of a losing skid. Is that tired legs? Is it travel? Because obviously that road trip was was hard. Um, just you know, where are you at right now? I think it was a combination of things. Um, going on road trips is always tough. Uh Schedule is not favorable. Obviously, we have one of the toughest, I think the third or fourth toughest schedule in the NBA uh, pre-All-Star break. So we're going we're gonna to be tested. We're going to be playing against uh, teams who are over 500. And uh, some of that is us being able to execute better down the stretch, uh, not not giving up 35, 40-point quarters, uh, defending a lot better uh, in the half court, preventing second-chance opportunities. I think there's a lot of things we can do and control better. But uh, credit the teams we played. They've played well. Uh, we're twelve and we're twelve and eight. We could easily be uh, fourteen and six, and we can easily be ten and ten. So, just have to continue to take advantage of each game. Understand it's an extremely long season, and uh, looking forward to continuing to protect home court. All right, J.R. Smith is sitting out right now. I, based on the way that his contract is set up, I would say it's pretty slim that uh, he will play for somebody else right now. Um, but it's possible. Who who could use Jr. right now? Because he's not shoot. He has not been shooting the ball well. But but over the course of his career, he's obviously been a guy that can make big shots. So so who? I mean, is there a good home for him out there? I mean, I think I'm sure he could be utilized in the NBA. He's a veteran player. He always need uh, steady veterans in this league, especially guys who are athletic and can shoot the ball. Uh, he has a winning pedigree coming from a uh, winning organization, winning with the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, being a part of those runs with LeBron. Um, looking at, looking across the league, it's hard to say off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's some teams in the Eastern and Western Conference who would love to add shooting. A lot of people are going to say the Lakers, but they're a little crowded right now with all the tall wings they have uh, in place with Ingram and a lot of those other guys. But I think looking at a team like the Atlanta Hawks, you could use another veteran. You have Vince Carter, but you could use another veteran. Uh, a team like the Hornets. Uh, who has shooting, who has some veteran leaders on that team, but you can never have too much shooting, uh, although they may not want to uh, uh, kind of stop Malik Monk's progressions as he's continuing to get used to uh, a higher workload along with Jeremy Lamb. Um, you have a team like the Utah Jazz who has a lot of wing depth, but is also going through some injuries right now uh, on the wing. I think there's some teams that could use them, but there's also some teams that may say, you know what, we want to develop our younger guys. You know, We don't want to bring in a guy who has 14, 15 years of experience and is going to want to play. We're looking more for mentorship roles. So it just really depends on the team and, and, and how they're trying to utilize their young draft picks. 
Here's what interested me most about JR was he says, I don't think the goal of the season is to win. And I I don't know if it was if it if they were misled, the veterans, or if this was Dan Gilbert really believing that they had a playoff team. I, I, I tend to think that Cleveland wanted to win this year and then they realized pretty early on it wasn't going to happen. So um, I understand his frustration, not wanting to tank, but but at the same time, I mean, he he really has not played well, and you know they're they're in a tough spot because they clearly thought the Cavs did that. Colin Sexton was ready to go right away. He's flashed, but uh, he's also been very inconsistent. And as you know, uh, for a rookie point guard to come in at nineteen or twenty, it's I mean that's extremely difficult. So I I I, I feel badly for for the veterans on that team, but. This is the life of the NBA, right? Where, uh, you know, a, a season can go south very, very fast. Yeah, anything can happen in this league, man, honestly. So um, you got to understand your role in society and your role within your organization, knowing that things change in a heartbeat. And if a team is in a position to develop younger talent, play younger talent, and maybe not play the veterans as much, they're going to do those things, regardless of you know how those veterans may feel. Are you surprised, CJ, about the Markel Fultz situation in Philly? I am. I am. Yeah. I think that this is very unusual to see a situation where your number one overall draft pick uh, leaves in the middle of the season uh, to go get a second opinion in New York City. Um, then there's rumors that he's not a part of the the long-term future. Then there's rumors that he wants out, and then the agent comes in and says that's not true. There's just a lot of he say, she say. I think they need to kind of sit down and talk and figure out a way to, to make sure they're all on the same page and figure out a way to to progress and move forward with his development and his shoulder, whether that's an, a muscle issue, a mental issue, whatever the case may be. He has a lot of talent. He could be a very good player in this league, but they have to get over this hurdle because it's holding them back as a, as a team and organization, and it's holding Markel back. CJ, I don't think I've seen a more dysfunctional situation than Markel Fultz in the Philadelphia 76ers. You have a new GM in Elton Brand who is trying to create stability and yet apparently is completely in the dark. You have Raymond Brothers, Fultz's agent, now saying he's a, his attorney, which is technically true, but it's an extremely odd statement to make. Now Jimmy Butler's there. They took away the most you know, efficient starting lineup in the league to inject Fultz into it to try to get him some confidence. That didn't work. Then he got T.J. McConnell's minutes. That didn't work. Are you? How surprised are you? Hey, I think everybody's confused at this point, um, not, not knowing or understanding uh, what's wrong with Markel, not knowing or understanding the situation with his agent and what they're doing, what they're trying to find, what they will find. Was he mismanaged? Have people been critiquing him too much uh, with the free throws, with the changing of his shot? Uh, he was mimicked uh, this Sunday. He was mimicked uh, after a touchdown by— uh, Yeah, that was brutal. By one of the receivers who I benched on my fantasy roster. He came from Oakland. He was traded from the Raiders to the Dallas Cowboys. And he actually looked looked very, very good. Actually, he had best fantasy day ever, and you benched him. Yeah, exactly. It, it always happens that way. But he looked he looked really good. And the funniest part is that after he scored his touchdown, Amari Cooper is who we were talking about. After, after Amari Cooper scored the touchdown— he had the t- his teammates line up like he was shooting a free throw on the goalpost, and he did the 
throw the ball back and forth. And Markel was a great sport about it. He actually recorded it, posted it on Instagram, and kind of laughed it off. But that kind of just shows you where he's at to where he's, he's essentially a global phenomenon. And sometimes it's for the wrong reasons because of social media. But he's very talented, and his future is going to be extremely bright. He just has to get over this obstacle. And maybe it is a fresh start somewhere else. Or maybe it's just him figuring out how to get back to playing the way he did at Washington. Yeah, I wonder if, if it's just best to go somewhere else now. I don't know what the value would be in return for him, but maybe to go to another organization where the pressure is not as high and the expectations are not as high and he can just start over. I, it almost seems like that's the best move for, for him and probably for the actual organization as well, Philly. Yeah, that could be the best move, but what you have to understand and what I'm sure he's starting to realize is that when you're the number one pick, there's always expectations. They go everywhere with you. They go with you when you leave the house to go to the grocery store. They go with you when you log into your Twitter, your Instagram, or your or your uh, other social media like Snapchat. And it's going to go with you on your next contract, whatever that may be, and the next team that you may or may not play for. You will always be known as the number one pick because you were the number one pick. It's it's not fair to call somebody a bust, but when you're the number one pick, to what you said, expectations are extremely high, and they. Remember, they had the, the, the best, most efficient starting lineup in the league last year. And they purposely, to, to try to boost Fultz's confidence, they put him in the starting lineup. And they even were playing him over T.J. McConnell, which is obviously no longer the case. But they, they have done everything. Brett Brown has done everything he can, at least from you know a minute's perspective, to try to get his confidence up. It has not worked. And, and I thought the low point for him was the, was the free throw the other night. Not, not the herky-jerky one, but where he was literally throwing the ball back and forth from left to right hand. I Have you ever seen a – I've never seen a player do that, especially not a guard. I've never seen it either. And it seems like at this point they're just trying stuff and they're experimenting, which is probably why his agent was like, all right, this is enough. we got to figure out what's going on. Yeah. we got to get this done. It feels like it's a lot more than just a bad, sol- a bad shoulder at this point, which is um, really, really unfortunate. Okay, one more, one more NBA bit. KD tells a fan to watch the bleeping game and shut the bleep up. How much noise can you actually filter out, CJ, when you're playing? Or is courtside heckling a real factor, even if it's Spike Lee, when you're on the floor? You can definitely hear people saying certain things during games. You can hear them cursing you out. You can hear them yelling. (laughs) I was waiting to see if you actually went there. Okay, You can hear them yelling explicit content towards you, shouting things at you. you, And you can hear them congratulating you sometimes. So I think that, you know, having played in, in different arenas, you hear different things during the game, you know, stemming back to high school where some things are appropriate, some things are inappropriate. But I just always try to block it out. Sometimes it can be very hard, especially if the seat is close, especially if the seat is right by your bench or behind your bench or courtside in your area to where you're literally arm's reach. That's when it becomes hard to not hear them. So uh, in this case, I'm not sure what he was saying, but I can imagine it was very disrespectful if Katie <laughs> told him to <laughs> shut up and watch the game. That means it was it got to the point where uh, he was consistent, persistent, and probably saying a lot of things that were inappropriate. Okay, so that's my question then is – is there ever a point or a situation where it actually is best to just acknowledge the heckler and then maybe they can stop or like there's some kind of common ground where you you acknowledge them and then and then and then they're done. I think there's certain trigger words or trigger phrases that will get you to respond and react personal about somebody's family, significant other or they just 
uh, speaking down on you as a human being or, or, or calling you the uh, the B word or something of that magnitude or a race or even racist comments. Those happen as well. So that's when it, I think you kind of really super, you cross the line. And now it's, this is man to man. This is me talking to you, letting you know that, look, I'm a person. All right. If you have a problem with me, you can see me after this game and uh, we can handle this the way, the way grownups do. I, lo- I love that answer. I just, I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine in my head who and what needed to be said for CJ to get really upset because I, I've never really seen you be that upset, so I'm just trying to imagine it. Yeah, I think anything personal. I think personal things are, are disrespectful and off limits. Talking about someone's mom. I agree. Talking about someone's race. Those are things that are have nothing to do with basketball. You can cheer for your team. I have no problem with that. You can boo. You can say things like that. But when you're attacking someone's family, attacking someone's race, that's when you're really out of line and things are going to happen one way or another when you when you put yourself in those type of situations because imagine you're sitting at work and someone's just yelling derogatory things at you as you type. <laughs> like, come on now. Like, There's a way to handle things. There's a way to be a fan. I boo people all the time at Browns games uh, on the opposing team. However, I would never target someone's family, you know what I mean, or, or make fun of someone because of the color of their skin or something of that nature. I, I, if, if, a lot of these fans that are doing that, it's like it's the same thing as keyboard courage on Twitter. They're not going to say that to your face, but when they don't think there's repercussions, they have all the courage in the world. Yeah, exactly. People are people feel like they're protected because they're at the game. They feel like since they bought a ticket that they can do whatever they want and say whatever they want to you, but it's not true. Okay, we have more pull-up in a second, but first, I want to talk about calm. Does it take you forever to fall asleep, tossing, turning, and trying every trick in the book, only to find yourself staring up at the ceiling, still awake? Calm can help. And that's why we're excited to partner with Calm, the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. Named App of the Year last year by Apple. If you head to calm.com slash pull-up, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programs, including Sleep Stories, which are bedtime tales, designed to quiet your mind and relax your body. Head to the lavender fields of France with Stephen Fry, or explore New Zealand with Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. Or check out guided meditations on topics like anxiety, stress, and sleep. There's even soothing music and much more. For a limited time, Pull-up listeners can get 25% off Calm Premium subscriptions at calm.com slash pull-up. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash pull-up. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content today at calm.com backslash pull-up. And then you'll get to sleep. Let's get back to the show. All right, we're going to do Play Breakdown. It's a new segment here on Pull-Up that we recently introduced. And uh, as fate would have it, in the garden... CJ gets his fifth dunk of the year. CJ, walk us through this play. You had a little pick and roll action with Nurk, uh, missed a little floater, and then what happened? Yeah, I had a little pick and roll action with Nurk. I came off the screen with Hazonia on me, got a little contact, uh, going to the basket and put up the floater, missed it in and out. Nurk gets the rebound, puts it back up over two. I think he had uh, in his canter there along with Hazonia. And there was no one there to box me out. So I timed it up. Uh, right, left, grab the rebound, put it back in the hard layup, a.k.a. fingertip jam over in his canter. They could have called an one. I would have hung on the rim, but my hand's been bothering me, so I wasn't able to hang on the rim the way I wanted to. But all in all, not bad. Fifth dunk of the season. 
a quarter of the way through the season. I'm on pace for 20 dunks. Uh, can't complain about that at all. Okay, so that's where I was going. Was that a foul on Cantor? It looked like it definitely could have been called. It was absolutely a foul on Cantor, but it's okay. It happens. I still was able to power through with the weight room, summertime core, extra lifts, hot yoga, all that Texan gave me the finger strength to get it over the over the top. As I'm rewatching this, it, it it's clear that you wanted to hang on the rim. Is that your right hand or left hand? Left hand. That, that uh, you said to bothering you a little bit. I had to get off the rim in a hurry. Because it, it it looks uh, it's a it's a nice little quick quick footed jump there. I I, I like that. So are you are you more of a two footed jumper or a one footed guy? Ah, uh, both. I can jump off both honestly, but probably better. Off one. I like to jump off one foot. This was a nice game for you. We mentioned the 31. You had a barrage of floaters and step backs. And I appreciate you taking the uh, taking us through on Play Breakdown. Jordan, before we move on, I want to encourage everyone to go check out the live episode of the Origins Podcast with special guest Sarah Jessica Parker, brought to you by the American Express Business Gold Card. To celebrate the launch of the new Business Gold Card, host... James Andrew Miller sits down with Sarah Jessica Parker to talk about how she turned her business idea into gold. Known as an actress and producer, she's also a serious businesswoman with advice and best practices to share. Visit www.originsthepodcast.com to listen. Okay, back to the pod. Is it time for wine? It is. Uh, Cue the wine music, please. It's been two weeks since we recorded a pod. We've had Thanksgiving. Among other things, we've been able to enjoy some time with family, loved ones, while giving thanks to everyone. Now we must give thanks to wine. I'm going to read a wine I recently purchased uh, because the wine I had on Thanksgiving is a wine I've already had, and I don't remember the names of the other ones because it was a wine pairing with the meal I was having. So I'm going to go with the very old Single Harvest Port 1968. It is from Portugal, 4.9 stars online. It's the 1964 edition that I purchased, and it ranks number one in sale prices for over $80, and it's among the top 1% of wines in the world. I haven't tried it yet, but the taste summary says that it's bold, sweet, and in between soft and acidic. There's 84 mentions of caramel oak toffee. There's a little bit of nutty walnut almond and raisin dried fruit, dried apricot in there. So really looking forward to tasting this. Um, They say it's like a dark cola, which is going to be amazing. So I'm looking forward to it. What did you have on Thanksgiving? What do you recommend for the kitties out there? So I actually went to your neck of the woods in Oregon and had a lovely Oregon wine called Hiyu, H-I-Y-U. And they have an assortment of different wines they offer. The one we had was uh, an Arco Iris. It says, The wine fills the room with fragrance, very dark cherries, cedar, smoke, incense, and long pepper. Wow. And uh, that's (laughs) that's a better explanation than I can give. I will say it did open up. It was a nice, it was a little sweet early, and then we kind of let it breathe. And um, after 20 minutes, it was fantastic. Hi-U, H-I-Y-U. And the fact that it's from Oregon, as you know... uh, is that much better? I'm looking forward to that one. Text me that one, and I will add it to my cellar. Do we not have our, our actual wine list available now uh, throughout the entire pull-up pod? A wine list should be available. So that will definitely help our listeners out, and we'll have to post that so that we we allow them to 
take a deep dive into what we what we've been drinking. As for you, what's next? You guys got a couple days off, and then you play. By the time this sucker comes out, you play Wednesday night, right? Yeah, we play Wednesday night against Orlando, and then after that, I have no idea. We play maybe the Denver Nuggets. Who knows? Um, but need this one against Orlando. Looking forward to to getting that one. Um, time for Christmas shopping, so make sure you're getting your Christmas shopping and getting your cards early so you can get ready to have those sent out and not waiting to the last minute like the rest of America. In, including me. Mm-hmm. And you can catch us on Apple Podcast Radio.com or wherever you get your shows. And as we always like to say, don't forget to pull up. Pull up. <laughs>